Welcome to another episode of Preferred Walk-On, a college football show. I'm your host, Max Chavik. We've got a very special guest on right now. That is Bruce Feldman, one of the top college football reporters there is. He works for The Athletic and Fox. Bruce, thanks so much for coming on, man. Thanks for having me, Max. Excited to do this. Of course, of course. And so the first thing I wanted to bring up with you, obviously, is, is the thing that you even said yourself you're probably most known for right now is that freaks list where you rank like the top 100 freak athletes in college football. The first question I want to ask you is how much time and what goes into building this freaks list every single year? You know, it's it's kind of a year round thing where I'll start collecting possible, you know, candidates and options as much as I can over the year. And then once we get into the spring, um, you know, I start to reach out to more coaches and strength coaches and, and, and SIDs around the country to try and get a little more traction in it. And then once we get in the summer, it's a lot of times when those strength and conditioning programs have, have either done their testing with, with their players or were about to, when they return to camp, and so that's a great window into doing it. And in the last, probably in the last like seven or eight years, I've really dialed into a lot more of the NFL scouting community and use them as a great resource. It's something that really has taken off. Um, you know, as, as somebody who worked as a sideline reporter for a while for Fox, you know, when I was out on the field before games, you know, doing my, you know, preparation for the last, you know, a couple hours for kickoff, NFL scouts are down there too. And I had a lot of people coming up to me going, hey, I love the freaks list, or they would bounce a lot of stuff off me. And and it turned out like, okay, these guys can be a great resource. And as the thing grew from just major college football and division one to FCS, as if, you know, not just FBS, and then it was division two and some NAI had a division three guy on there this year. And so it's just really grown and grown and grown. And it's it's a fun project to work on because it's a great way for me to get ready for the season. Yeah, absolutely. And you even said it yourself. This is maybe the first time in your you know 20 years of doing this. You have a true freshman at number one overall. Why was Nicholas Harbour your number one freak, list, a freak right now? And do you think he's one of the freakiest players that you've ranked so far in your 20 years of doing this? Just the idea of somebody being as huge as he is, you know, in the story we have on The Athletic, you can see the clip of him running a hundred meter race. And there's a really fast kid next to him who is literally like head and shoulders smaller than him. It looks like a toddler compared to Nicholas Harbour's legit six five. He's now 243 pounds. Um, when I was talking to some of the coaches at South Carolina, because he is a 10 to 200 meter guy. Um so he'd be flying if he was 5, 10, 160 pounds, but you'd be so much bigger than that. So when I, one of the coaches on the Gamecock staff, Jody Wright, is a former NFL assistant who was at Alabama for a while. And we started talking about some of the other freak big guys he's been around in terms of Julio Jones, obviously a supersized receiver who's gone on to the NFL. Derek Henry won a Heisman. This guy's bigger than those guys. He's much bigger than Julio. And those guys were good track guys coming out of high school. And he ran a full second faster than them in the hundred. That's how much. So he's not only a lot bigger than Julio, he's a lot faster. And uh, I don't know, you know, for him to be, you know, first year in a college program to be at this point. So when you ask, is he the freakiest guy? I mean, I had Calvin Johnson on here years ago, years, years ago. And I've had a lot of guys who, 
developed into more of it as their their bodies were a little more raw. If if Nicholas Harbor can make those kinds of gains, I mean, he may be like something we've never seen before. But you know, there's a, those are big ifs, and we'll see how he responds to it. But I know that people in South Carolina are super excited to see what what he can do as a receiver. Yeah, the fact that he has Olympic sprinter aspirations at 245 pounds is ridiculous. So I, I think you were probably correct in putting him at number one in that list. But obviously, you mentioned before, all these strength coaches, all these coaches, all these players send you probably thousands of numbers, honestly. What would you say has been the most eye-opening number? And for me, I would probably say that Amorian Walker uh, three-cone that you had on there because that was ridiculous, probably the record three-cone. Um, but what would you say has been the most eye-popping number uh, that you've gotten so far? But maybe the biggest wow thing for me this year was BYU has a left tackle, Kingsley Sumataya, 6'6", mm-hmm. 325 pounds. He didn't allow a sack last year as a right tackle. And so when I was talking to Aaron Roderick, who's their OC at BYU, you know, he said he raved about him because he had Garrett Bowles when he was at Utah, you know, more impressive than him. Obviously, Garrett Bowles has started, I think, every game he's been in in the NFL. But then Blake Freeland, who blew it up at the combine at 6'8 and 300 plus pounds, vertical jump at 37 inches. He's like, oh, he's a lot better athlete than that. I was like, wow, at 325. (laughs) And so he said, well, you got to talk to our, our sports science guy. And I did. And he said, you know, he's faster than our linebackers. And crazy part was he said, we had him clocked at 21.5 miles per hour when he was 318 pounds last year. If he was 218 pounds, 21.5 yeah. miles per hour, really good. So to do that, three, you know, that much over 300 pounds is mind blowing. And again, like this guy's a big time NFL prospect. But when I saw those numbers, just for the context of what 21.5 is to be that, to be 318 and do it, like I'd never heard of anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually talked to Kingsley for a one-on-one interview a few months ago, and he his mentality on the field is basically as good as his, as his numbers that you're suggesting right there. So I, I think, yeah, this guy could definitely be a first-round pick when it's all said and done after this season. But another question I want to ask about the Freaks list is, you do a really good job, I would say, of identifying the next wave of superstars. You had Marvin Harrison Jr., number two overall on your list last year. Obviously, you know we know who he is now. Aiden Hutchinson was number two overall the year before. He had a massive breakout year as number two overall pick. Who would you say is the player this year that maybe isn't a household name right now, but is someone you think could be by the time the season's over? You know, Chris Jenkins, Jim Harbaugh, when I saw uh, him about a month ago, said, I think Chris Jenkins is going to be a top 10 pick. And he was really good against the run. And they said one of the things that has really clicked and changed for him is he's going to be a much more dynamic pass rusher. And he's what... Georgia has has had in the you know front seven guys. He's now 307 pounds. He was in the 280s last year. Um, you know when you mentioned Amarion Walker's crazy shuttle times, you can see the video of that. Like one of the one of the things I'm really pleased with with the freaks list is people can see some of this freak stuff. It's not just somebody saying it. They can mm-hmm. actually watch the videos uh, of this. And and Chris Jenkins, we have this video of him doing 170 pound dumbbell Turkish getup, which is unreal. And you can, I think he's, he's the guy who is is blowing up inside the university of Michigan program. I think he will be a guy who really blows up this year as a really disruptive defensive lineman. Of course, you know, his dad, Chris Jenkins was a terrific player in the NFL. I mean, this guy wasn't a big recruit coming out of high school. He's a three-star guy. 
Um, but he's kept growing, got stronger. He's an incredible worker. Um, and everybody, everybody just kind of raves about him. And I think he's going to be a fun one to watch this year. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's one of the best D tackles in the country for sure. So I think it's a great call out. But I want to talk to you about some uh, on-field stuff for, for college football this year. And first question I wanted to ask you about was that there are two programs right now that have historically been dominant, but the last few years have not been so. Uh, but they might be back this year in Florida State and Texas. What do you, excites you the most about those two programs? And which one do you think has a better shot of maybe cracking the college football playoff this year? I think Florida State does. They're they're closer, to be honest, than than Texas has been. Um, what I really like about what Mike Norvell and that staff have done when they took when took over, you know, that program had really backslid under Jimbo Fisher, especially in the trenches. They were horrible on the offensive line. His offensive coordinator, O line guy Alex Atkins, has done an amazing job restocking and developing there. And I think they're they're really solid there. They have. Jordan Travis, as we know, is a really good quarterback. He has some freaky big dudes. So I had Johnny Wilson on my freaks list. He's yep. 6'7", 240, really can run, explosive. And then they added two transfers, Jaheim Bell, who is a very, very dynamic tight end who they'll move around stuff. Keon Coleman from Michigan State's a really big, physical, gifted receiver. Um, they have a really talented defensive line you know, led by Jared Verse, but there's there's about seven or eight guys. It looks a lot like what Bobby Bowden used to have. I don't know if they're at that quite that wow level, but mm -hmm. it's gotten a lot closer. Um, I think they have a legit chance to make it to the playoff. We're going to find out what they got right out of the gate with LSU. I can't wait for that game. Um, Texas is is intriguing. You know, we know that Quinn Ewers physically has a terrific arm. He looked really good in the, you know, quarter and a half or so he played against Alabama. Mm -hmm. And he was really inconsistent. I talked to Quinn Ewers this summer for a while, and it definitely seems like he has matured a lot. He's he's committed to, you know, reshaping his body. He said it's done wonders for him, not just physically, but mentally. I think he really articulated a lot of that well. He has a really impressive group of receivers. Now, they lost. Rashawn Johnson and Bijan out of the backfield. And I think they're going to be missed. But on the bright side, I think they've gotten a lot better on the offensive line. They had some good young offensive linemen. I think Kyle Flood has developed those guys. And I feel like that's a, that's a big upgrade from where they have been because they haven't been very good on the O-line for a long time. Um, and defensively, I think they have a, some good pieces to work with. I just you know, I think I need to see more from Texas before. I think they can win nine games. I'm not convinced that they can be consistent enough to be a real playoff team, you know, but um, I think them, they're, they're taking steps in the right direction. No doubt. I want to see, you know, can Quinn Ewers be consistent? I want to see can honestly that that team certainly without the run game as we expect it to be, can they be as consistent? Because they just had two, elite players you know and elite like locker room guys in that running back room and now those guys are in the nfl yeah absolutely you mentioned quinn Ewers reshaping his body he also reshaped his hairdo too he shaved off the mullet which i was kind of heartbroken by honestly but yeah i'm excited for both those teams for sure the team i actually think is is winning it all this year bruce though is michigan who obviously jim harbaugh announced yesterday that michigan has self-imposed a three-game suspension on them what do you make of the wolverines this year and can they snap georgia's two-year streak of winning it all 
I think they can. I mean, I think they're plenty talented. Whatever the recruiting rankings have said, I think they have developed a lot of big time athletes. And I think the key piece of this is really J.J. McCarthy. I mean, he showed some flashes. He was really good in the game where they were undermanned at Ohio State. And he was very up and down when they when they stubbed their toe against TCU in the playoff. I think. The difference between them right now and what, you know, Ohio State had George on the ropes. Well, Ohio State had C.J. Stroud, who's an elite passer, super accurate. And they had Marvin Harrison Jr., who for three quarters was giving George all they could handle before he got knocked out of the game. I think the question is, can Michigan win games like that if, yeah. if they have to get into a shootout? I think J.J. McCarthy definitely has the ability to do it. The receivers are good enough. They're not They're not Ohio State receivers, but they also have, you know, tight ends who can stretch the field. And they're both their backs, Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, are real weapons, not just as ball carriers, but as receivers. So I do think they can win that way. Um, I think this is this is by far Jim Harbaugh's best team. They have really good leadership. I think they can win the national title as well. I just... The only part that gives me pause is that I think they have two super talented teams also in their division, Ohio State, who they've gotten the last two years, and Penn State, who they whipped up on pretty good last year in Ann Arbor. I think this is a this is a really intriguing Penn State team with a lot of high. I mean, I had more freaks guys from Penn State than I've ever had on from one team. And I think and that doesn't include Drew Aller, who I think is much better than and much more gifted than what they've had under center and Sean Clifford before. And so it's, a, it's, it's going to be tough to get out of the, get out of the big 10 East. But I think if you do win the big 10, I think there's a very good chance, even if you have a two loss team, I don't think that'll be the case, but I think you could have an argument that you may even be able to deserve a spot in the playoff. I just think Michigan right now is better positioned to make a run at the national title than they've been in the previous couple of years. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And you mentioned Ohio State before. I wanted to ask you, there's like really two huge quarterback battles right now that nobody seems to know who's the front runner for either of them. That's that's Alabama with their three guys they got there and Ohio State between Kyle McCord and Devin Brown. And and apparently Devin Brown is making up a lot of ground right now. Who do you see uh, those two programs? Do you have any intel maybe on who those two programs might trot out there as their QB1 uh, in week one? You know, coming coming out of the first couple of weeks of camp, I thought it would be Jalen Milrow at Alabama. He has the most game experience at Alabama. Um, I think they know that they're going to try to try to maul people again, as as Alabama normally does. The offensive line's really good with Ohio State. I thought it was going to be Kyle McCord. I know Devin Brown's plenty talented. I'd seen a lot of him when he was coming up through the recruiting process. I think either guy at Ohio State can can win big. I'd be surprised if you saw Ryan Day just doesn't have one guy and say, hey, we're, we're going to ride one guy. I don't think he'll yo-yo it back and forth. But if I had to guess right now, I would think it would be Kyle McCord. But we got to see how this, you know, how this plays out because – that offense is so, you know, predicated on you are going to be firing the ball all over the place, especially with the receivers they have. You have so much weapons at your disposal. I mean, Travion Henderson, everything I've heard is back to being the guy who was so special as a freshman mm-hmm. after uh, getting banged around last year. Um, so, you know, that's you're right. That is one of the better storylines coming out of fall camp right now to watch. 
Yeah, absolutely. And Kyle McCord also played uh, high school ball with Marvin Harrison Jr. too. So they got that connection too. So maybe that'll play a part into whether or not Brian Day rolls with him. But uh, you mentioned Penn State before. I know I have the Syracuse helmet behind me, but I actually grew up a, a massive Penn State fan. And everyone in Happy Valley seems to think this is the year for them to get over the hump and and beat Michigan and Ohio State and win the Big Ten and maybe crack a college football playoff for the first time. You have all these Penn State players on your freaks list right now. Do you think this is the year for the Nittany Lions to finally get over the hump? You know, like it's, I want, I'm tempted to say yes. I mean, they finished last year well. I just, everything I've heard about Drew Aller from the coaches I know inside the program has been effusive. I mean, it's, there's a lot to really like about them. You know, they have two elite running backs, they have speed at receiver. This is a much better offensive line than we've seen. You know, everybody knows about Olu, but, but, you know, their center is probably even better than, might be better than Juice Scruggs was. And he was what a second round pick. They have a lot of freaky dudes in the front seven. Their corners are still good. Even without Joey Porter Jr., they're still really good, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, it's tempting because I feel like in a lot of ways, Penn State is kind of riding underneath Michigan's, you know, Michigan's, I don't say bluster, but just like, I mean, you're picking them. I've talked up a lot about them as a national title team. I think people are going, well, what about, you know, Ohio State? They almost beat Georgia to, you know, probably would have won a national title if they did. And that means I don't want to call Penn State a sleeper national title pick, but I think they're the one team that's outside the preseason top five where I could say, oh, yeah, I think they they could win a national title just because they have – so many guys who have difference maker kind of athleticism. Mm-hmm. And when you have a quarterback who can be really special, it sounds like Drew Aller is that guy, um, that gives you a good chance. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned, you know, outside the top five, but, you know, last year TCU was a team that didn't make the top 25 in the preseason poll and obviously made it all the way to the national title game. Is there a team this year that you think is just a major sleeper in college football and will surprise a lot of people this year? I don't know if there's one that I would say. I mean, they were preseason, I think, picked seventh in the Big 12 last <laughs> year. So they went to the title game. You know, when I look at it, I'm like, eh, I think K-State is probably undervalued. Will Howard's good. They, they're they a really, really well-coached team. I don't know if I would say I think they're going to make noise and, and could go to the final, though. I wouldn't go that far. I feel like UCLA is hide, is kind of sneaking under the radar a little bit because everybody's talking about all the quarterbacks are back, but this is definitely the most athletic team Chip Kelly's had there. Um, and they're in, and I think they have, you know, big explosive receivers and a lot of, a lot more athleticism on defense than they've had there in the past. Um, you know, when I look at the SEC, you know, obviously people have buzzed about LSU and, you know, nobody gives up on, on, on Alabama and and Georgia is there. I mean, you know, if Joe Milton is like the guy who wows people on film and can be consistent, you know, they're dangerous. They're dangerous because that offense can be, can be really prolific. I think they have a lot of confidence after last year. And if that guy gets on a roll, um, you know, he has, and I know he lost two really good receivers to the NFL and they lost a great tackle, but He's a different kind of problem because he can run. He's much bigger than Hendon Hooker. I mean, Hendon Hooker is really good, obviously, before getting hurt. But Joe Milton has like an arm that it's different than everybody else in college football right now. And he's 6'5", 250, and can run well. I mean, if he builds some confidence and and they start gelling, they could be, I think, to me, and it's hard to say that they're like the sleeper out of the SEC because – you know, they were top 10 last year. It's not like they were like 
2024th, but they're a very intriguing team to me. So you mentioned before Jordan Travis, who I think is is going to end up winning the Heisman Trophy next year. I don't I don't want to put on, uh, you on the spot right now, but do you have a Heisman pick that you're willing to roll with right now? Not yet. I mean, we did a Heisman. We every year we do a Heisman fantasy draft. I at saw the that. Yeah. And I didn't have a high pick. I think I had like the sixth pick, but I, I, we get points if, you know, for wherever they finish in the ranking, but I had a Marvin Harrison jr. I felt good about taking him. I don't know if, you know, obviously Devonte Smith won the Heisman. I mean, I think Marvin Harrison jr. May be the best player in college football. So, you know, it's, it's definitely a possible one. I mean, it's like, you know, we have only one guy's ever repeated Mm-hmm. And obviously that was Archie Griffin, you know, whatever it was 45 years ago. Caleb is certainly good enough to do it. He's at a place where if they go to the playoff, like I think they're going to be a lot better on defense, a lot, lot better from everything I've heard outside, you know, from inside the program. I mean, if they're, if they can somehow go undefeated and he puts up the similar numbers, I think people will look at him and go, yeah, he is the best player in college football. And if they, if, you know, they're they're absolutely dangerous to play against anybody because of how good he is. And they have, you know, even without Jordan Addison, you know, gone to the NFL, they still have a lot of really good receivers like Dorian Singer, 1100 yards last year has has incredible ball skills and hands. And, you know, they added Marshawn Lloyd, who's, a you know, is a good explosive running back. Like I think their offensive line has enough experience. I mean, be we never had, you know, it's been so long, but I could see Caleb, Caleb repeating. Wow. I'm happy you said the defense looks to be improved because I actually have USC as, as one of my playoff teams as well this year. Again, I don't want to put you on the spot. So if you don't have an answer, don't, don't feel like you have to force it here. But do you have a, a final four that you feel pretty good about right now? Not yet. I think we're going to be writing about that later this week. And I still have to, I'm like workshopping in my head because honestly, your pick of Michigan is very tempting to me as well. Um, Penn State is tempting. I feel actually pretty solid about USC. I just feel like their linebacker, you know, between the guys they've added in the offseason at linebacker, I think are such a big upgrade from where they are. I know people will talk about Bear Alexander being a former five-star from Georgia, but I think it's the linebackers who have really will change them and make them a lot more formidable. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think I'm going to back off Georgia. I just feel like they're still to me, top to bottom, the best team in the SEC. When I look at Alabama, it's like they had a down year and they lost their by far their best offensive player and by far their best defensive player. Uh, And now they're breaking in two new coordinators, one who really struggled at Miami running the defense and the other one who did a solid job at Notre Dame. But I, I definitely wouldn't say it was like, you know, I wouldn't feel as confident as if they hired like Garrett Riley from, from Mm -hmm. TC, you know, as opposed to, as opposed to Tommy Reese, what he did at Notre Dame with, with quite in fairness, maybe not the same caliber of athletes. Yeah, absolutely. Bruce this is a fantastic, fantastic conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time. My pleasure. It's great talking to you.